We had a collaboration with some Chinese com uh, Chinese uh, scientists. Here we have a vaccine. What is the problem? Get over it. What we are very proud of now is that we penetrate the cabinets. Seriously, I'm, I'm making a serious point. I don't know what half of them are protesting against. We've still got Fauci walking around free. The man should be in irons in the darkest pit. As much as he touts that he cares about it, he doesn't. This is our revolution. It's not theirs. Don't let them take it from you. Don't let them convince you that it's their revolution when in fact it's not. It's ours. And we will have it. It is Wednesday, the second day of March, the year of our Lord 2022. I am Johnny Anderson, and I'm joined today by uh, quite a uh, quite a lineup. Uh, I'll go around the room one at a time. Bruce, good to see you. Nice to nice to have you back after what was it five days? It, it does seem like it was an eternity, actually. Yeah. Uh, How you doing? Yeah, yeah, healthy and alive as usual. Yeah, good, good. And somewhere between iconic and psychotic, the fan favorite, Marty Foster. Marty, how are you? Uh, I'm. I'm fine, and flattery will get you everywhere. Thank you very much, Johnny. Hi, Bruce. <laughs> and back to join us again, uh, very special guest, Daryl. It's good to see you. Thank you for coming on. Really appreciate it. How are you doing? Good evening, gentlemen. Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, yeah, I mean, holding my head above water, just. I think all of I us think are, everyone. Yeah. yeah, I think all of us are. Okay, um, I, I have a funny feeling that we're going to get into quite a bit today uh, involving uh, Ukraine and, and all in Russia and all that stuff. I mean, there's plenty to talk about there, I guess. Uh, I'm doing my best to try and sift through just everything, because when you watch the mainstream media and you watch the alternative media and you watch uh, Russian media, it's it's the fog of war. What What do you want me to say? Uh, there's so much propaganda around all this stuff that it's it, it's almost impossible to to follow what's going on and figure out what's what's real and what's not. But I think as we were discussing before we started, <laughs> as as Marty's practicing getting ready for uh, shooting his in law when the Heinz roll in from uh, from Saint Petersburg, <laughs> he's he's already getting his. Uh, oh, is that your shield? I'm 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 just amusing myself in the background here. Uh -huh. I've, I've got many. I've got many weapons uh, within arm's reach, but none of them are real. They're either LARP foam weapons or airsoft uh, pretend things. So I am feeling quite vulnerable. I can't remember exactly when it was, but it was in late the late eighties when the firearms laws changed, and and virtually no one in the UK could could own a firearm unless you had a firearm certificate and were heavily inspected. And um, they disarmed us a long time ago. And of course, they're after your guns in America, Bruce. So um, do be careful. Don't answer the door. And um, Oh, no, we answer the door. They just don't like what gun. we have to say. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, just don't yeah, like what yeah. we have to say. Okay. No, I'm going off topic here. I do apologize. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, all right. So I tell you what, well, let's start with we do, let's, we do, let's start yeah, with our start. guest. Let's start with our guest, because that's why he's here. A lot of people have been asking me privately. We've had some comments come in uh, also to uh, to everybody here on the podcast. What happened to your uh, your friend that's a funeral director? Where is he? Why don't you bring him back on? Because we've been breaking a lot of stuff here about uh, a lot of insurance companies that are trying to offload their risk, i.e. people that have passed on in the last 12 months. Now, if there's anybody... Uh, and for those that are uh, those that are new to the uh, to the podcast listenership base, we appreciate it. Welcome, welcome to all of you because we're picking up new listeners all the time. Daryl is a funeral director out of the UK. Now, if you want to learn about excess deaths, especially during the time of a uh, a catastrophic global pandemic, who better than somebody in the funeral business? Because a lot of investors are even saying if funerals were uh, publicly traded, their stocks would be through the roof at the moment. The amount of numbers that we're seeing coming out of the insurance uh, companies. Uh, and there's a new study out today, in fact, and we can get into this uh, as we talk here. Uh, but there's a new study out today that says the risk of COVID vaccine induced fatality is equal to or greater than the risk of a COVID death for all age groups under 80 years of age. And then, of course, you couple that with all the mainstream media articles over the last several weeks and months now that are running damage control, saying, uh, well, shaking your duvet too much, making your bed up, that could give you a heart attack or a stroke. Uh, eating vegetables will give you a stroke. Breathing too many times in a day will give you a heart attack or a stroke. Skipping breakfast will give you a heart attack or a stroke. I mean, it, it's just, it, it's ridiculous. Taking paracetamol will give you a heart attack or a stroke. So let's, uh, I tell you what, let's let's just jump right into it. Uh, Daryl, 
tell us what you're seeing from your point of view. Are you seeing the, the kinds of numbers that is being reported from the insurance companies? And let's just go with all-cause mortality. Let's, let's just look at across the board. Okay, Johnny. Well, to, to be honest, I'm going to be a bit boring. Um, and certainly in my part of the UK, um, things are pretty normal as far as numbers go we're, we're not noticing uh, an explosion in numbers um the the nature of the the peaks and troughs in, in how busy we are is, is certainly unusual for the time of year we're normally quite steady throughout winter um and recently um we'll have two weeks where we're we're snowed under and then we'll have two three weeks where we're nearly you know really really quiet which is more akin to your your summer autumn sort of situation the things we are personally i'm I'm noticing is that there there is a lot more cancers people of of a younger age are getting stage four cancer um by the time they know that, that there's anything wrong they go to the doctor and the doctor said unfortunately we can't treat this you know the 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 cancers that they're, they're they're succumbing to which over a period of time, cancers are getting more prevalent than they, you know, in the years I've worked in the funeral business, we do see more and more on a, on a yearly basis. But the fact that people are, are, are getting these cancers at stage four stage is is unusual. And, and that's probably only come to pass in the past sort of eight to 12 months, I'd imagine, around that sort of figure. I've certainly buried several people that are double jabbed, boosted, and they've so, well, They've passed with COVID, not of COVID. So yeah, it's it's odd times, but not necessarily because of the numbers. Do you think it's because people just haven't been going to the hospital, haven't been going to the doctors because you can't get an appointment, everything's done over the phone. And so therefore these late stage cancers simply haven't been diagnosed early enough. If they were diagnosed four, five months previously, then some of those people that, that you've um, given a send-off may have survived. That's one certainly the, a possibility. One of the other things, uh, and again, th- this is just something I've heard from a fairly reliable source, but uh, within the NHS, is that there's a lot of low-level brain tumours mm-hmm. happening, and these are down to mobile phone use. I don't want to scare anyone. And again, it's just hearsay, but from a fairly reliable source within the NHS, that the incidences of brain tumours, there seems to be a direct correlation with the amount of mobile phone use. And, and to me, that's that's quite scary. Uh, you know, anyone who's ever phoned me knows how, how much I love being telephoned. Not. I, I hate to... Oh, yes, you absolutely <laughs> love it. I, I hate to think, if that's from a, a mobile phone, I hate to think what a satellite phone is going to do if you use that, because I just got one of those things. <laughs> It all depends on on the type of RF uh, and the frequency, doesn't it? But That's a good um, point. you know, pe- people are are using if they if they're using the earpods uh, and and stuff like that. That's still a Bluetooth connection. Uh, very nice. John is just showing me his new toy. But yeah, have you? I mean, I don't know how much you get to know about each of the people that you take on their final journey. But have you have you seen any more of that? Well, funny you should say in in the last month and a half we we have buried two people with brain tumors. Um however when we arrange a funeral one of the questions isn't how much do you use your mobile phone. So I can't No, of really, course not. No. <laughs> I can't no. really correlate. But what um, age bracket if you don't mind me asking? One was a lady, she was in her mid 50s and the other was a gentleman in his late 40s. And again, you know, three score years and 10 Someone very, very close to me uh, had brain tumours that they were offered uh, to be operated on, uh, but he declined that, um, you know, that, that option because he, did, he didn't like the percentage chance of his survival rates. And no. in the end, it was there was pneumonia from being in a care home that finished him off. But the these these but he was in his eighties, uh, and you know, people we all develop it's like prostate cancer. By the time you're 84, if you're a man, the chances are you've got prostate cancer to some degree. Um, yes. However, there has been a lot of studies um, regarding the prostate cancer that, that the older that you are, if you develop prostate cancer, 
the greater your survival living with it as opposed to enduring the treatment to try and get that's, get rid of that's the true. cancer. That's true. That's yeah. true. I, I, I was speaking uh, to somebody I knew back in the States just on that point, uh, and they had a relative that developed uh, prostate cancer, older relative. He did, and two of his friends also developed it uh, right, right around the same time, oddly enough. Two of the guys went to normal treatments in hospital and, and all the rest of it got, you know, went through the chemo cycles and everything else. And then the third guy went to a nutritionist and guess what? He's still living. The other two are not. Hmm. One of the things I, I heard about um, a long, long time ago were things called mono diets. And essentially it's where you just eat one type of food and that just gives your body enough um, nutrient to tick over nicely without giving the cancer the fuel it needs to create more cancer cells and for the cell division. Again, this this was a, a, a book someone had written, and this woman in France went on a grape diet. She ate nothing but grapes, and it, it kind of slowed her cancer down. But again, I've, I've, got, I've got no real foundation for that. It's just something I've heard in the past. But I had a, a boss... A while back, who um, very interesting man started his career as a as an engineer for General Motors in America. Then came back to the UK, joined the Navy, and was an education officer in the Navy. Then, when he left the Navy, he became an undertaker, a, fu a funeral director. And this, I'm going to have to put this as delicately as possible. But the older the deceased, the longer the body stays as it was. And Absolutely. Young, yeah. And, and I'm wondering with this thing with, with prostate cancer, because the older you are, when you realize you've got it or you develop prostate cancer, the older you are, the less your body is uh, reproducing itself. And that may have something to do with, with that. that. Again, I'm not a medical professional. It's only stuff that I've heard. I'm putting two and two together and making seven. But uh, I had a but very wise doctor once say to me that, that the older the patient, if they get cancer, the longer they will live with the cancer as opposed to if they were half that age to contract the same cancer. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, um, to me it does. But and it uh, does, seem to be, does seem to be the rule of thumb. You know, I, yeah. I hate to I hate to kind of be the bearer of bad news here, but um, I do know, and I was telling you this, Daryl, before the other two came in tonight. Um, I do know of a person who, actually, I know I know three people total. I know three people total that took the COVID jab. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not, I'm not saying that there's a scientific correlation to this. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is that I know three people that took the jab. And all three of them developed fast-spreading cancer just weeks after they took that jab. One of them developed lung cancer. Again, could be unrelated. Don't know. One of them developed prostate cancer. And one of them developed breast cancer. Now, mind you, all of those were stage four out of the blue. But uh, when the oncologist, specifically in one case, when the oncologist traced back the time, because that's, that's what they do, they traced back the time from when it started. It was right around two to three weeks right after they got that jab. I have to say that regardless whether these vaccinations, stroke, jab, stroke, whatever you want to call them, regardless of whether they're causing the cancer or not, I think everyone needs to levy a degree of caution because the effectiveness of these jabs in regards to slowing down COVID or, or, or you know stopping people from ending up in hospital is fast becoming a thing of legend and myth those that are jabbed and boosted you know somehow avoid hospital and death that's not not the case and i've seen that firsthand and when you take that into account is it worth taking the risk at any uh, any possible side effect when the actual reason that you're taking a a, a jab it, it doesn't work I, it, for, for me and that's just my opinion it, it's not worth the risk for marginal gain if that I think we're we're all in agreement there, certainly. But one of the things that uh, as like Ned has done a lot of research in, in into this himself. Um, he's not a medical professional, but he has looked into it quite deeply. And it's the fine tuning of your immune system that these vaccines. Actually, I don't want to use the word vaccines. They're gene therapies that they cause to happen. They 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 make your immune system fine tuned to the protein spike in, in COVID. And when they do that, 
is there a chance, and this is the big question, is there a chance that your immune system becomes less able to deal with other types of infection or fight back against some uh, cancer isn't a disease it's a condition we're, we're all we've all got a genetic predisposal or not to cancer and it all depends on whether you're exposed to a catalyst or how hardwired your body is to developing a cancer and so that's what i would really love to to know that when the when the data comes out hopefully well before 75 years as to whether or not the gene therapies may well you know, help your your body fight off COVID, but does it weaken you for other forms of condition and infection? The evidence I've seen, I, I just for me, the vaccines are, are, are let's just say very limited in their ability to to fight off COVID, and that's just what I've seen. I'm not a medical professional. I work in the the funeral industry, and I come to contact lots of people that have succumbed to various diseases, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So. For my money, the jabs don't work. I'm not a professional in this. However, um, there have been professionals in this area that have come out and spoken on this, and they have said that that is exactly true. What you're what you're insinuating, uh, Marty. It's the more jabs you take, as you get uh, the the two jabs, and then you go on to the third jab, and then fourth, if you've taken the fourth, it progressively makes your immune system weaker. Uh, you're something like, I forget the, the actual numbers on, on what they were saying, but if you take the third jab, not only are you more likely to get COVID, but you're more likely to get other diseases as well. It's, it's weakening your immune system as a whole, not just against COVID. And then as you continue getting this jab, it's continually weakening your immune system. So how long this lasts, we don't know. In fact, there are people that are having uh, the, the immunodiseases. They're, they're showing signs that they've acquired this after having taken the jab. Now, is that caused by the jab or is that just, you know, coincidental? We're not sure because there's not enough research, research out yet. However, we do know that people in Australia for their vaccine, they were showing up as HIV positive after taking the vaccination. So. Uh, just throwing that out there. We don't which, know because which, no research. Which is linked to one of the first things I found in the New Scientist magazine about 22 months ago, which was suggesting that the, the protein spike that they attached to SARS to make COVID-19 came from HIV. It, Haven't and, they and, recently discovered a new variant of, of uh, AIDS as well? Sorry, Mike. Yeah, I, be, I believe so. Uh, and it, it's not even, it doesn't even go to HIV. It goes straight into AIDS, straight into the acquired immune deficiency syndrome. So it, it's a direct attack on an immune system. And you look at how recent generations, I'm the oldest here and I look it as well, but, you know, our washing up, we didn't have a dishwasher. So there was no superheated steam cleaning our plates. The washing up was started by a Labrador that would lick the gravy off the plates before they were washed. We used to play out in, in the woods. We used to be covered in mud. Um, we'd eat apples off people's trees. We'd do all kinds of things that put pathogens, potential pathogens into our bodies that our bodies cope with. I then had the benefit of of being um, used like a dartboard by military medics for the for the Gulf War with lots of lots of different vaccination, including anthrax, which was illegal. These by the way. were, yeah, sure, it's illegal, but at least it was a um, attenuated vaccine and not an, an mRNA gene therapy jab. Subsequently, I think I've I've managed to fight off just about every disease going. Um, unfortunately, coming from Norfolk, where arthritis is quite prevalent, I've now had two knee replacements. Um, but one of the, we've got an extra finger to deal with as well. So, Well, that's it. Otherwise, we couldn't play the banjo as well as we do or order six pints in one hand. So I don't know where I was going. Yeah, I know where I was going with this. Our younger generations have already got now less of an immune system than we had because they, you know, We've all got spotlessly clean kitchens and we don't let the dogs do the washing up and they play on play areas that are plastic coated and, and so on. They they don't have necessarily um, the freedoms. 
I know that there's at least one person, other person in here that was a Boy Scout. So he'd have been out in the woods and uh, eating burnt food on campfires and all kinds of stuff, all of which little bit at a time helps you build up your immune system. And I, and I think this recent um, drive to get us all vaccinated has weakened our immune systems. That's just my personal thought on the, on the matter. I have some interesting documents here to show you. Uh, these are unclassified documents that were put in by a FOIA or that are, were released by a FOIA request. This is from the Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, or DARPA for short. This is from the Commandant of the Marine Corps, and it is to the U.S. Inspector General's office. And this is dated, as you can see clearly right here in the top right, August 13th of 2021. And they say the subject matter of this uh, this investigation was SARS-CoV-2 origins investigation with U.S. government program undisclosed document analysis. Well, let's just look and see what they had to say, shall we? DARPA rejected the proposal because the work was too close to violating the gain-of-function moratorium, despite what Peter Daszak of EcoHealth Alliance, who was the British doctor that they funneled the money through to send to Wuhan Institute of Virology with Dr. Fauci and the NIH in China. As is known, Dr. Fauci with the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases, did not reject the proposal. The work took place at the Wuhan Institute of Virology and at several sites in the U.S., identified in detail in the proposal. Continuing we on. we all fall off our chairs shocked. Yes, yes, we all fall off our chairs shocked. SARS-CoV-2 yeah. is an American-created recombinant bat vaccine or its precursor virus. It was created, you hear this? It was created by an EcoHealth Alliance program at the Wuhan Institute of Virology, as suggested by the reporting the surrounding lab leak hypothesis. And of course, it goes on to talk about you know their response and how they did it and stuff like that. But the announcement was made in March of 2018. Boy, we didn't hear about COVID-19 until, well, uh, you know, release of a coronavirus until, um, what was Right after the UK general election, wasn't it? It was about a week after that, wasn't it? Uh-huh. Yeah. Which yeah. was the end of 2019 going into 2020. But yet this was dated March 2018, a year prior, and the document had not been publicly disclosed at the time. Huh. I don't think that. Was it? Who was it from the... The, from the American Marines? Was it the adjutant the general commandant. or someone? The commandant. The commandant. The, the yeah. commandant. I don't think he'd got the memo, had he? Apparently not. Um, no. He hadn't got the memo that all of this needed to be hushed. Yeah. So um, <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's released a document. Is yes. He, I wonder if he's still the current commandant. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He might He might be going to spend a, a nice long time off with his family. I mean, you, you never with know. with his family. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah you that's what know. normally happens, isn't it? With yeah. a swan song like that. You uh -huh. normally do then go and spend some time with your family. Uh huh. The Eco Health Alliance, yeah, yeah. The Eco Health Alliance uh, response to the preempt BAA is placed along with the other proposal documents in the preempt folder on the DARPA Biological Technologies Office, which is top secret on their share drive. And of course, they list the directory there within that file. SARS CoV 2 is hereafter referred to as a SARS-CoV Wuhan Institute of Virology virus. Or, as Donald would say, the Chinese virus. Uh-huh. Is And it is also a synthetic spike protein chimera engineered to attach to human ACE2 receptors and inserted into a recombinant bat SARS-CoV backbone which would be the delivery system. Yep. It is highly likely a live vaccine not yet engineered to a more attenuated state that the program sought to create with its final version. It leaked and spread rapidly because it was aerosolized so it could be, so it could efficiently infect bats in caves, but it was not ready to infect bats yet, which is why it does not appear to infect bats. The reason the disease is so confusing is because it is less a virus than it is an engineered spike proteins hitchhiking a ride on a SARS-CoV quasi-species swarm. The closer it is to the final live attenuated vaccine form, the more likely that it has been de-attenuating since initial escape in August of 2019. I've got one rule um, uh -huh. when it comes to experimentation. If the word that is used 
would score somewhere over a thousand points in Scrabble, you should stop doing that experimentation. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Now, this is what we talked about back in April of 2020, but we were crazy loons and conspiracy theorists and morons, and we didn't know what we were talking about, and we weren't following science. But they clearly this say is right not here- not a game of I told you so, Johnny. Yeah, apparently not. I, I don't know. But apparently uh, the, uh, the unclassified document that was- obtained by Project Veritas in a FOIA request, says that ivermectin, let me say that again, ivermectin was identified as a curative in April of 2020. And it works throughout all phases of illness because it both inhibits viral replication and modulates the immune response. So much for horse paste, huh? Of note, chloroquine phosphate or hydroxychloroquine, which they pulled off the shelves of all European pharmacies that you could buy over the counter because it was two pounds, three pounds, five pounds for whatever. Same thing with ivermectin. It was pennies. Was identified in April of 2020 as well as a curative. It is identified in the proposal as a SARS-CoV inhibitor, which we had to go all the way back to 2003. In an article that was in the publication of the National Institute of Health, we got that from them. You see, and until all this came out, I had never heard of ivermectin. And when I first heard the word, I thought it was a Welshman, ivormectin. Anyway, the treatment of viruses was always you, you couldn't treat a virus. That's what everyone always said. The only, the only solution to a virus would ultimately be a vaccine. So stuff like smallpox, polio, and all these things that have been eradicated through vaccination, um, we got to trust the word vaccine. But these things that they've given so many people um, are not vaccines, and they should never have been described as vaccines. And that's one of the biggest cons that we've got, uh, that, that, that they've, they've pulled on us, is that they've, they've given people a gene therapy that there is evidence to suggest weakens the immune system overall. Um, apart from the one thing it's designed to to combat, and even then it's not that effective and, and only reduces symptoms. If anything, and I've said this before on the podcast, if anything, it made asymptomatic transmission more likely, not less likely. Because if you are coping so well with the symptoms, you don't even know you've got it, you're out and about doing your thing, and you're, you're spreading COVID-19. So you're going to you're going to love this last part then. Go for it. The gene encoded or mRNA, which is exactly what you're referring to, Marty. Vaccines work poorly. Let me repeat that. The gene encoded or mRNA vaccines work poorly because they are synthetic replications of the already synthetic SARS-CoV Wuhan Institute of Virology spike proteins and possess no other epitopes. The mRNA instructs the cells to produce synthetic copies of the SARS-CoV Wuhan Institute of Virology. I'm just referring to what they refer to it as. Uh, synthetic yeah. spike protein directly into the bloodstream, wherein they spread and produce the same ACE2 immune storm that the recombinant vaccine does. Many doctors in the country have identified that the symptoms of vaccine reactions mirror the symptoms of the disease, which corroborates with the similar synthetic nature and function of the respective spike proteins, which is exactly what you were talking about, Bruce. The more you take, the sicker you become because you're replicating what you've already been infected with. The vaccine recipient has no defense against the bloodstream entry, but their nose protects them from the recombinant spike protein quasi-species during, quote, natural infection, better termed as aerosolized inoculation. Gentlemen, that sounds like that should be front page news. It should be. Obviously, our, our listeners can't see the document that, that you've got up behind you. Uh, it does look like a military document because it's been printed on something that was probably made in about 1948. And the the text is 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 very blocky and it just it does look like a military document. And I and I imagine there's parts of the DOD where the word, you know, digital printer and yeah, I've you know, never been heard. Still using, still using tractor fed yeah. paper printers is what they're with the ribbon. Yeah, yeah. That, that's it. So but you know, the evidence is there. It's always been there. It's just it's been concealed from us 
And the people whose job it is to tell us the truth and to inform us have not been doing that. And that's mainstream media and our, our own politicians. To move the subject on slightly, when you've got someone like Truss, our foreign minister, advocating that people from the UK would not be stopped if they wanted to go and fight in the Ukraine for the Ukrainians. I have, I have the audio, if you'd like for me to play you it. You have the audio? Reference. Yeah, I'd, I I'd love you to play it. President Zelensky has, has asked for people from abroad to, to join an, an international force. Would you support that? I, I, do, uh, I do support that. And, of course, uh, that is something that people can make their own decisions about. But support, they, are, they are fighting. The people of Ukraine are fighting for freedom and democracy, not just for Ukraine, but for the whole of Europe, because that is what President Putin is challenging. And absolutely, if people want to support that struggle, I would support them in doing that. So you support Britain, people from Britain going over to Ukraine to help in the fight? Absolutely, if that's what they want to do. What a mad statement. Isn't that just crazy? But it's not crazy because it seems that they've, they haven't killed enough of us with the snake oil gene therapy that they now want to send... And do you know what? We're, we're all fighters. We're getting to desperate measures if that's our aim. <laughs> but, yeah, that's true. But it yeah. drags everything into it. If anyone is going to be fighting this fight, it should be NATO as a whole. Not individuals rocking up who've done five games of Airsoft and think that they're Arnold Schwarzenegger I actually in Commando. Have... I actually have some of those individuals right here. They'll be the ones that they get picked out in the crowd when they're interviewing the far right all the this, time. This would be the ones. Uh, these, uh, these. This is a photo of men who traveled from Ireland uh, to fight for uh, Ukraine's freedom this evening. Yeah. Okay. I wonder how many of them will be saying left. About airsoft. To, uh, yeah, you were saying about yeah. airsoft. And, yeah. Okay. Just thought yeah. I'd throw that out there. Yeah. yeah. I wonder how many of them will be left in two weeks' time if they I'm ever not, make it there. I'm not being funny. Those chaps there from Ireland, they probably lost a bet in a pub somewhere, and that's why they're going to eat Well, I don't want to, you know, just use stereotypes, but given their penchant for, for the odd tipple, they were probably still drunk once they are at the airport. Uh, and, uh, they'll, they'll, they'll sober up in Kiev, <laughs> not Kiev, Kiev, apparently. Actually, Bruce explained to me earlier this evening why it's suddenly being pronounced Kiev and not Kiev. But that just annoys me every time I hear, hear it pronounced Kiev on the, the evening news or the afternoon news. We've always I mean, you don't have a chicken Kiev, do you? You have a chicken Kiev. But apparently Kiev is an insult to the Ukrainian language. And it was instigated by the Russians. Was that is that what you said earlier, Bruce? Yeah. So Kiev is supposedly an insult to the Ukrainians because of uh, the language differences. So it's um, uh, basically the original name is Kiev in Ukrainian, and uh, the Russians changed it during the Soviet Union to uh, Kiev as an insult. I see. Well. As as I said, I've always called it Kiev. And um, just in the same example that I gave, um, we call the capital of Portugal in English Lisbon, and in Portuguese it's pronounced Lisboa. So if they want to call it Kiev in in the Ukraine, that's fine. Why is our why why have our our news suddenly started to um, use this totally unfamiliar pronunciation? Um, it's not important, but it's just one of those millions of things that bother an old man like me. But they don't like the people that are that are fueling this, though. And, you know, I, I and I appreciate the segue because we, we did need to move on. And usually it's me that's cracking the whip. You're actually doing it today, getting everybody moved in the uh, the right direction. Johnny, I've been doing it all the time. You just haven't realized. Oh, I haven't now. noticed it until now. Yeah. OK, yeah. it's been it's been three and a half years. I haven't noticed it yet. Um, no. But no, it's uh, all of these people that are supposedly in positions of authority. I think they're just a th uh, they're aesthetic wackos at this point. They're insane. You got Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House who's literally running around. She's being asked at the podium about the conflict in Ukraine involving Russia. And she says, well, if you look at Hungary, it's surrounded on all sides by Russia. And then Diane Abbott today was on the BBC and she says, well, when Putin takes his tanks and he marches right and rolls right into Croatia, then, uh, you know, there's good. And they said, well, don't you mean Ukraine? Oh, yes, yes, Ukraine. Now, this is one of two things. 
this is one of two things. Either Pelosi and Abbott are as thick as a whale omelette and do, do not know their ass from their elbow, which is the more likely, or they were actually reading from next week's and next month's um, memos where the Soviet Union retakes Hungary and then takes Yugoslavia and or the former Yugoslavia. So, you know, which is it? I, I will I will defend Pelosi here just a little bit because she is older than dirt. And for a large portion of time, Ukraine was considered part of Russia. So if, if you're drunk all the time and you are older than dirt, uh, I, I could I could see why she's uh, struggling to comprehend that uh, the Iron Curtain fell and, you know, things are different now. But these people are, like I said, these people are insane. I mean, these are the these are the same crackpots now that have been running around over the last what three years that have been trying to do the aforementioned that we started tonight with. They've been trying to lead us down that path. That failed. People were waking up to it. The protests are still happening, but you're not seeing those protests. Now you're seeing the protests about, uh, well, uh, anti-Russian uh, Ukraine stuff. I mean, it's it's insane. The, these people are running around all over mainstream media saying that we that we need to go to war with Russia. We need to we need to send British people after if they want to go and fight. I mean, they're they're nuts. Sorry, John, I was just going to say on your point about the protests that are on the mainstream media. Yeah, go ahead. They're, they're everywhere. The, you know, the Save Ukraine and anti-Russia protests. Every time you turn the telly on, there's another protest. When people were protesting against COVID and the restrictions, where were those protests on the mainstream media? Because it fits the narrative, they've got time to show that. Sorry, that just quotes. No, no, you're, no, you're right. spot on, Daryl. Absolutely yeah. right. And it's the same thing that I, the same argument that I had with uh, with Marty on the phone earlier today. I said, we're throwing sanctions around all over the place. You have sanctions from the UK, the EU, all of the EU, the US, Canada, uh, all the rest of it. And like, I don't even think you can, um, I don't even think you can order a, uh, a, a bottle of Russian vodka now in the last 48 hours because of Putin going into uh, going into Ukraine. Now, I'm not endorsing what the guy did. Of course not. That has to be condemned. He, he broke international law by doing that. But just so I understand this correctly, after the documents that we just went over from uh, from from DARPA that was declassified and was put out by Project Veritas, after we just went over that, showing that they actually cooked this thing up, the Chinese released that onto the world. We don't put a single sanction on China because it could hurt the world economy. But Putin goes into Ukraine. It's the end of the world. We have to have nuclear war now. And we've got to send people over there to fight in some what a glorious war on a new front or something. It's insane. Well, but they're, they're, they'll be saving the sanctions on China for when it retakes Taiwan. Right. So because they have to appear to be doing something rather than just doing nothing, they haven't made any action against it. They even let the Winter Olympics be run in Beijing, didn't they? Yeah, it's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. That, so, that never should have happened. So, but because Putin took Ukraine, Beijing doesn't condemn it. Xi doesn't condemn it. That gives them a pass on Hong Kong and Taiwan. Just my opinion. And and India hasn't condemned it either, have they? No, they uh, haven't. Because when India makes their move on the Kashmir, uh, on the on the, the Pakistan bit uh, of the Kashmir, no one's going to make any fuss about that, apart from some sanctions. There, there'll be some sanctions. Well, like I've, I, I said earlier, that I, I really feel that Russia's fallen out of favour with the, the, the WEF. And yeah, uh, China hasn't. And, and that's, you know, I, th I think that's the, that's the crux of it. I can't remember in the game. Yeah, I, well, you may have a point, but I can't remember whether we podcast it or whether it was in a pre-podcast discussion. But I just don't know at the moment whether we know that Putin was a World Economic Forum young global leader, and it may well be that as he was um, getting his briefings in Davos, an idea cropped up in his mind that said, "I know how I'm going to get." the Soviet Union, get the band back together, as you put it, Johnny. Uh, and there he is, shaking, glasses hand. Yes, of, of course, Vladimir, it is time for the next crisis. You will invade uh, the Ukraine, just as we discussed. Da, da, comrade, no problem. But has he gone rogue? I has think, he 
you think I, he's gone rogue. That, that I don't was my know. first thought as well. I, I don't I'm, know. I'm undecided. Schwab. Just yeah, Bruce, you got you got the you got the floor after I say this one thing. Schwab, Bruce and I were going over some video of Schwab just the other day. Schwab keeps a bust of linen in his office. So is he really against the old Soviet times? I mean, Schwab, not not Putin, obviously. I'm talking about Schwab. Is he really against? I just want to point out that um, there are still oligarchs and other uh, government officials that are um, also World Economic Forum young global leaders as well. It's not just Putin. So um, though it is very, it is possible that he has gone rogue, I think this is another instance of, Johnny, you made reference to going nuclear. They went nuclear with COVID. Instead of doing sanctions, what did we do? We went to the nuclear option, shut down businesses, shut down people's livelihoods, and we're doing the same thing with this Ukraine situation. I'd just like to play this one clip, and we're all skeptical about what's going on over there. I'd like to play this one clip of a member of the Ukrainian parliament. And when I heard this, I thought, uh, hang on a minute, because you've got all the mainstream media and George Soros and his son, Alexander, and everybody piling on top. And by the way, Alexander Soros was having dinner with Nancy Pelosi in uh, in Munich a couple of weeks ago. Uh, just saying, I, I thought that'd be important. But you got to hear this. Uh, for the rest of us that aren't Ukrainians, I think the world, quite frankly, Kira, is surprised by the will of the Ukrainian people to stand up and fight. Are you? Well, I'm not surprised. I uh, We have been fighting uh, Putin for the last eight years, and we had three revolutions in our country when we did not agree with what was going on with uh, the direction of where we're moving in. But right now, it's a critical time because we know that we not only fight for Ukraine, we fight for this new world order for the democratic countries. We knew that we are the shield for the Europe. Does that concern you? It should concern us by her choice of language, using the term New World Order. But that's not what the Davos group call themselves. That's what other people have called them. And it's also, she was clearly, again, listeners, it's on the Telegram channel. I know Johnny's put it up there, that particular clip. And this is going to be so sexist and I, I fully expect to be lambasted. She was chosen for her looks, not for her her, her intellect and she's a very attractive uh looking ukrainian woman and i think she used the term out of context um in that particular interview because there is a new world order of democratic countries post-soviet union so that's my take on it everyone else can make their own opinion up when they watch the clip and see just how gorgeous that lovely gun-toting lady was and I was just playing a, a video here behind me of um, the uh, Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky. I didn't know if you'd yeah. seen this yet or not. I have seen that. Of, of course I do. I, I look at everything you, okay. you put up because my okay. phone goes right. ding and and I look. Oh, I see. I so, so um, yeah, look, the fact that the man's an actor and an entertainer doesn't make him a bad person. I've, I've done it professionally and semi-professionally and as an amateur, but... That is some weird stuff going it on is. in that clip, isn't it? It is, isn't it? <laughs> this just but, I mean, I know that I know that the, the Eastern Europeans have their own different kind of humor. I get it, but that's just odd. Yeah. But the, the point I was gonna make earlier when you said that Schwab keeps a bust of Lenin in his office, of course he respects him because he was a strong leader who got things done, and that's the kind of narcissistic, egotistical thing that someone like Klaus Schwab would have as as a focus point, as a as a little bit of motivation every every time he feels a bit low. Just look at my Buster Lenin. All right. What would Lenin do? And what these that. whenever I'm looking for motivation, I don't ask myself that. I'm just just throwing No, but that then out again, there. you're 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 not an egotistical global elite no pig dog, are you? Whereas <laughs> no, no. Klaus Schwab is. And don't forget it's Marxism that they intend to use to control whatever masses they get left with. That's why groups like BLM and Antifa are essentially Marxist groups. And that is the spread of the World Economic Forum and George Soros's influence across the face of the planet with those kind of uh, minority action groups spewing their own form of Marxism that eventually gets everybody used to the idea 
of being under a totalitarian rule, such as things like lockdowns and um, vaccine passports and social scoring and all the other things you guys have talked about ad infinitum. What do you guys know about uh, Jeremy Vine? I know his brother's very funny. Um, you must have heard him, Daryl, with his one-liners. He's hilarious, isn't he? <laughs> Are we talking about Jeremy Vine or his brother? It, I'd rather talk about his brother because Jeremy Vine's a c- Oh, dear. <laughs> You're going to have to bleep that, mate. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> no problem. I'll, I'll bleep that. But I, I just, I, to the point, though, I want to, I want to just, I, I want to show that this is being steamed up where it doesn't need to be steamed up. We don't need to go down the road of another war. Nobody wants a war. The only people that want war are these sycophants that are in these these offices and in the bureaucracy. Nobody wants a war. The people of Ukraine don't want a war. The Russian people don't want a war. The Europeans don't want a war. The Brits don't want a war. The Americans don't want a war, among other nations. Nobody wants a war except for these, these psychopaths that are making the decisions and calling the shots that don't speak for us any longer. Jeremy Vine yesterday isn't it that's the thing so well that's because yes because they, they, they declared they, they declared they were a pariah churchill even said joking or semi-joking we need to a bomb moscow absolutely ridiculous they've been our allies so the warsaw pact countries were actually a response to nato nato has always been and center when cito the other ones in different parts of the world are a part of the but u.s what, war what, machine what's your problem with fighting russians if they've invaded ukraine what's your problem with doing that <sighs> Russia were our allies. Yeah, but that's that's then. The people of Russia are not our enemies. And I don't think they are the enemies. Quite a number of those Russians you probably find will go across and they they were holding their hands up this morning, not wanting to fight showing the Ukrainians. Yeah, but if... They were told lies by Putin, surprise, surprise. True, Uh, but you know, Um, the brutal... Bill, 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 the brutal reality is if you put on a uniform for Putin and you go and fight his war, you probably deserve to die, don't you? Do you? Do kids deserve to die 1820 called up conscripted that's life who don't understand it that's the way I, it goes who don't I, grasp the issues yep. well not is just the brutality of war we never learn from that he says if you put on a uniform for putin you probably deserve to die but then he says well should 18 and 19 year olds be conscripted to go uh, to be called up to go to fight and he says well that's just life yeah, jeremy Vine will say anything to be controversial to up his viewing figures and get the papers talking about him and him and his radio show, he will he will say anything to upset anyone. You're absolutely right, Dale. He, yeah. He's a he's he's a shock jock. Simple as that. And he's as controversial as he possibly can be. It was well before I went to the Middle East that I took umbrage with something he'd put on one of his radio programs, and I emailed him at Radio Two, and I got a reply. Uh, I actually got a reply from him uh, and, oh, I'm sorry you feel this way, but this, but that. Totally unapologetic for the offence and and, uh, and the, the crap that he'd said. But, you know, that, that typical, oh, I'm sorry if you feel that that was what was said. You know, I've hated him ever since. But like I say, his brother's a good guy. Good old Tim. Tim Vine, he's great. But Jeremy Vine is a c- Need to hit the bleep button again, don't I? Yep. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I do. <laughs> London Mayor Sadiq Khan says that uh, London is well prepared for a nuclear detonation. Uh, uh, I'm not exactly sure what to say. That it wasn't actually him. I guess I should I should rephrase that. A spokesman for his office has said, and I'm quoting here: "This is dangerous rhetoric and irresponsible posturing from Putin, as the government has already made clear any risk of nuclear conflict remains remote, and we remain united in deterring the most extreme acts of aggression against us." and our NATO allies. London has a resilient and well-established system in place to ensure key agencies work closely and effectively together to keep us all safe. This includes keeping Londoners fully informed about any emergencies. Question As a child. Guys. Yeah, go on. Uh, question. I, I, I've heard uh, rumor uh, that Putin has a brain tumor. And if you have some lunatic like this, um, cold-blooded killer, on the way out uh, with a brain tumor, would he be, I, I don't know, um, slow to use nuclear weapons if uh, he was, I, even without the brain tumor, if Putin is w- was on the way out, I have difficulty seeing a scenario where he would just quietly leave. If he's either going to go out with a bang or he's going to win, there, there is no other in between. So 
nuclear war, uh, as far as I'm concerned, when it comes to London and being prepared for nuclear war, London is prepared in the sense of they're spreading their cheeks for a nuke. What I mean by that is you cannot prepare for a nuke properly uh, when it comes to a large city uh, like that. You're going to have the the initial blast, the heat wave. uh, You're going to have the the nuclear fallout after that. You're going to have to have immense amount of food stores, uh, ways to filter water. You're going to have to have a shelter for all your populace. I don't think you're really prepared for a nuclear blast. All of that said, I, I think Putin is crazy enough. If if the rumors are true, it, it, apparently it's going around the intelligence community that he's uh, it's rumored that he has a brain tumor. If that's true, I don't think nuclear weapons are off the table in that scenario. Isn't it the case though that he wouldn't? There isn't a big red button for him to press. There, there'd have to to be several people involved with input and codes and keys, etc., before a, a nuclear missile was launched. Is that is that is am I correct in saying that? You're pretty much correct, yeah. Pretty much, but don't forget those people have been specially selected True. and psychoanalyzed and psychometrically tested to see if they would press the buttons to see if and, they agree with the yeah <laughs> exactly. Um, and if they don't, they'll get somebody in there who will. But what Khan has done here, and it's it's just caused memories to start coming flooding back to me from my school days. But what he's done is is what Mr. Brooks at my middle school did. I think he got fed up with teaching us, and I think he was some kind of communist at university or whatever, and decided to get us all to design our own nuclear fallout shelters and consider all the things that we needed to have and some of the things that Bruce just mentioned there, food stores, air filtration, um, be deep enough to protect you from the initial blast um, and and the heat and the um, EMP and the radiation and so on and so forth. So at the tender age of about 10, all my mind was filled with was what's going to happen in the event of a nuclear war. And I remember having a daydream this time at uh, the senior school and knowing that it was all about the four-minute warning. We'd get four minutes before the Russian warheads would start to make landfall. And I've been scared most of my life about nuclear war. And I was just getting to the point where I was starting to relax and not be scared and not be defensive. And then these bunch of cockwombles come up with a bloody virus to shut everything down. And then as soon as we've got a cap on that, out comes... Uh, conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Wait and then you see you've the capital got, markets. Wait till you see yeah, the financial crisis. <laughs> they haven't even gotten to that Oh, I know. My shares, have, my shares have gone right up, but that's because I work for... Never mind who I work for. But anyway, then you've got arsehats like uh, Khan, who shouldn't be the mayor of bloody Toy Town, let alone our capital city. The man has stood there in rallies, Muslim rallies with black ISIS flags flying mm-hmm. at the back without condemning a damn thing that those animals did in Syria and Iraq. So all he's doing is is he's gone, oh, right, London, we've got the underground system, we've got the deep sewers, we've got this supply centre and that supply centre, we can get everything underground really quickly and we can survive a nuclear, but can you bollocks... Not with hypersonic. You don't missile. know what you're talking. About. He doesn't know what he's talking about, but he is just adding to the fear machine mm-hmm. uh, by by even suggesting that London might come under nuclear attack. He won't resign because he's part of the plan. And the fact that all of our politicians have ignored the protests as much as they can. The most obvious being Trudeau with uh, oh no 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 don't look behind the curtain. Um, just, just like the Wizard of Oz, he stands against um, authoritarianism. You heard him. He couldn't stand against a force for wind, basically, could he? Really, but I'd blow him over, over with a strong cough. I've waffled on enough. They just all annoy me so much. I'm just so angry again. Uh, and uh, you know, like I say, I was it's just getting to, to a point in my it's supposed to be therapeutic, Marty. Therapeutic, yeah. No, no, just, I'll only be therapeutic when I can go and work out on a punch bag again. <laughs> 
was I hear Keir Starmer likes to work out on heavy bags. I mean, you saw the you saw the way that he was uh, heavy bags heavy of bag. cocaine, probably. <laughs> but, um. here, I have a tweet here from Neil Oliver, uh, and we'll we'll end on uh, we'll end on him. Neil Oliver says, "Can you get factor two million at sunscreen on the NHS? London is well prepared if Russia launches a nuclear attack." Says Sadiq Khan, mayor of, uh, mayor of London. He's absolutely right. Marty, can you explain? For the new listeners that are not aware of uh, Neil Oliver, can you explain who he is, what his past is, and how he's gotten to position of prominence as he, that he's in now? He's an extremely clever Scottish academic, um, and I think he was a history major. And certainly the the geography of the UK is one of his favourite subjects. Um, if you looked at him, you'd think hippie. There's nothing wrong with being a hippie. He used to do a TV show where he and this other guy would walk around the UK talking about the history of particular areas and looking at the geology. And do you remember it, Daryl? Yeah, it's the, was it the coastline of Great Britain or, or something along those Yeah, parts? and that was the first time I'd ever seen him. The next time I saw him was on GB News. And I have been absolutely, totally impressed. And I believe you me, I, it takes a lot to impress me. Um, and I don't like people very much, but I like him. I like him a lot. He's a and, very, very intelligent man. Yeah, and he says it how it is, doesn't he, mate? Yeah, well, as as all Scots do. And he Scots says it without using all the swear words that I do. <laughs> True. He's very articulate, Oliver. He's, he's, he's articulate, articulate. And, and, and speaks very eloquently. Yeah, he's he, he's a great guy. You know, when we, we were on the phone earlier today, Marty, you, you had mentioned to me, you said you didn't know who you could trust. I mean, you're turning around on on pretty much everything now and you're thinking, I can't can't trust the mainstream media, can't trust the government, uh, can't trust this group over here, can't trust that group over there. You know, I, I was thinking on that and I, and I told you the same thing earlier today. I said, I, I don't know of anybody that I trust now. I mean, I trust our team we have here. That's about as far as it goes for me, really. Uh, and some of our closest uh, people that we keep in our, our own private circles in confidence, like, you know, I trust that. But outside of that, really not much. But Neil Oliver made a point and uh, on his monologue on on GB News, which he does, and it's it's absolutely fantastic. I, I love listening to this guy. I wish we had time here to play the entire uh, nine and a half, ten minutes, whatever it is that he does. But unfortunately, we're going to have to take this one minute clip we have of him. But he lays it out pretty well when it comes to this whole Russian-Ukraine conflict. I don't know who to trust in this because, like I said, you've got Russian mainstream media, what's left of it. I mean, they've pretty much banned all that all across the EU. That should alarm you whether or not you agree with Russian uh, mainstream media or not. Because, what, we're, we're, we're banning and, and monopolizing people's perceptions again, just like we did with COVID? We're shutting down everything that goes against the narrative? That's what we're doing. So I don't trust Russian mainstream media. I don't trust... Our mainstream media. I don't trust our government. I don't trust Putin to do the right thing here. I certainly don't. I don't trust Klaus Schwab and his group of lackeys down there in Switzerland. So who can you trust? That's for you as the listener. That's for you to decide. I've already mentioned who I trust, but I have to agree with Neil Oliver here. Uh, and this is what he had to say. I'll be honest. I don't know what's happening in Ukraine. I don't understand it either. I ignore most of the mainstream media because I don't trust it. In the Wild West world of online, where I graze widely, it feels like there are as many different assessments and explanations of the situation in Ukraine as there are people with keyboards and phones. What I do know is that truth is rarer than gold and therefore harder to find. I also know that whatever Vladimir Putin is up to in Ukraine, the West must accept responsibility for a share of the blame for what is now being suffered and endured by ordinary people there. Whatever Putin has done, Whatever NATO and the governments of the EU have done, and I say again, I don't feel anywhere close to knowing what's been going on and what is going on. Men, women and children are sheltering underground on European soil in 2022. Soldiers on both sides are dying. I do know that I don't trust Putin, but I don't trust our leaders or our government or Europe's governments or the governments of North America either. I certainly don't trust any of them to tell the truth. Sad but true. But it's yeah. it's exactly what they want, how they want us to be right now. They want us to be disparate. They don't want us to be together. They want us to mistrust because trust is what builds movements. It's what builds alliances and, and groups of people. Uh, and, and it takes the people to move against these 
these bad things that are being done to us. But if we don't trust each other and we don't trust what we're being told, how are we ever going to achieve any kind of unity? I think the other an, another important thing to bear in mind is, as you said, Johnny, they're banning the the Russia side of the story, and I don't. I'm not saying I believe that side, but it's important to come to some sort of understanding and, and trust of a situation to weigh up both sides. And if they take one side away, how can you come to any conclusions with just one side of the argument? It's, it's impossible. Now you're you're right, Daryl. The the truth normally lays somewhere in between, doesn't it? In between two opposing points of view. But you look at what happened with the Cuban Missile Crisis. You look how close that brought us to uh, a full nuclear release, simply because there were Russian missiles heading for Cuba because Castro was using Marxism and communism to control his populace and was happy to take the help from from Russia, from, from the Soviet Union. You look at how close the West brought us to that nuclear release. It's the same with Ukraine. The fact that Ukraine um, was persuaded to go against the Minsk agreement, um, I believe it was by Biden, persuaded them to to ignore it uh, and, and to still pursue their membership of NATO. That's what Putin is saying is has caused him to take this action he's got a number of of perfectly feasible reasons that he'll give to the press to say this is why we're doing it and if you add them all up do they really amount to um a good enough reason i'd say no but most people wouldn't be able to differentiate between a good enough reason and no reason at all these days because we've all been dumbed down so much by poor journalism, by poor education, and and by blatant lies from government. One last point I'd like to make. I know that we've been kind of theorizing here about whether or not Putin's gone off and, and done his own thing. Uh, and he's, he's turned against this. To be honest with you, I'm not entirely certain. And I, I still stick to that point that I'm not entirely certain because one thing that we know is nothing is as it seems. Everything that we've looked at over the last three years has been an outright deception, hasn't it? You think that somebody's on one side and they're not. Look at the number of people that we've discovered within our governments that are traitors, that we thought were on our side. Bruce and I are still finding out those names. I'm listening to politicians in America that we, well, the ones that were former politicians that are now out of it, that are giving speeches at supposed conservative conventions. And we're, we're sitting there going, you're attending meetings in Davos at the World Economic Forum. You have no business being on that stage. If you're in any way, shape, or form, in my humble opinion, just from my standpoint, I can't speak for all of you, but if you're in, involved with that organization in any manner whatsoever, I don't care what you have to say anymore. I could care less. That's where I'm at at this point. Cooperating with these organizations that have subverted our democratic processes over the last three decades, possibly longer, and you're involved with that group, and if you're knowingly involved with that group, and you don't know at least that part of it, then you're part of the problem. So I have no sympathy for you. And I have absolutely no form of respect for you going forward. As a matter of fact, I hold them wholeheartedly responsible as part of this problem when we get to the trials on the other side of this thing. Any of you have closing points that you'd like to make? I think I've said all I need to say tonight. Thank you. Okay. Bruce, you have a, any final points you'd like to make? Yeah, I, I just want to reiterate that... Um all of this that's going down, it looks really similar to COVID. Uh, look at the COVID narrative and how we were being pushed into, you're killing grandma if you don't take the vaccine. Now it's, um, if you don't throw out your vodka, you're supporting Putin. These silly lines that are being drawn. And look at, pay attention to how the West was treating Russia before all of this went down. And I don't mean just recently, I mean within the last eight years or so, they've been constantly hounding Russia repeatedly. It's just, it looks like they were trying to get this to happen for many years and they finally got it. So I, I, I just don't trust any of this. This, this all looks, this all looks like, and feels like it's just part of the game from my opinion on it anyway. And just don't trust any of the media. Look into it yourself. Try to find it. I was seeing on social media that stuff was going around that, um, there was a, a, a video, one of, that uh, they had a barricade up. It was nighttime. 
and they were taking BTRs and trying to smash through armored personnel carriers, trying to smash through the um, uh, the line that they had there, and they were just throwing Molotovs on top of the BTR, and and you know, there was two of them. That video was from 2014. So just just watch, you know, when when stuff is going around, research it, find out if that is really what's going on. Um, it's going to take some effort if you really want to know the truth. But I think you should be doing that in all things anyway. So, and of course, I will give the last word as customary to our very special guest, Daryl. Uh, do you got any final points you'd like to make? Thank you, Johnny. Just very briefly, I, I mean, from a personal point, I know I've I've said that I think uh, Vlad has gone rogue, but um, I think that the the reality is that that even the, the the people that are most learned in these situations, they they don't really have a clue to a large extent exactly what's going on so yeah i mean watch this space we'll, we'll we'll find out i'm sure but yeah we'll see how it goes anyway it's been a pleasure thank you for having me on absolutely it's always a pleasure you're welcome here anytime any night of the week i know you're a busy guy but um i know that i have to contact you whenever i want you to come back on but you're free to come in here any night you like we're in here at the same time every night so thank you don't have you. to ask permission you're welcome to come in you don't even have to talk if you don't want to you're welcome to come in and just sit down weigh in on our discussion take part in it whatever you like so it's an open door it's an open invitation excellent and yeah i, I may well take you up on very good sir all right. For those of you who would like to give us a follow on Telegram, we would appreciate that. Uh, as long as the platform's up there, I mean, they're banning Russian stuff left and right, but uh, that is a uh, platform that's not located in Russia. However, the CEO is Russian, so we're banning everything with Russia nowadays. So who knows how long that's going to be there, but uh, you can follow us over there at Dynamic INDP. You can just uh, search us in the search bar. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by sending us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. So I want to thank all of you for being here this evening. Marty, it's been a real pleasure. Bruce, pleasure as always. I will see you tomorrow. Daryl, thank you for coming back on. It's been a great conversation uh, with you all this evening. Thank you to all of you gentlemen. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a fantastic evening. Thank you, Johnny, and good night.